Hi there, and welcome to Birth Trauma Training for Birth Workers with me, Dr. Erin Bell. I'm a clinical and perinatal psychologist, and I have put this podcast together, if you've never listened before, for the birth workers in our community, the warriors, the witches, the wonderful women and women who identify as, and men who identify as, and whatever you identify as, as a way of pulling together resources, support, insight into how to support yourself as a birth worker through vicarious trauma, how to understand a bit more about what birth trauma is from a client perspective and from your own perspective. So really giving a whole range of holistic support options and some really, you know, in-depth, well-considered, intelligent discussion about it with really, really, really passionate people. This podcast is unfiltered. It's not probably one you want to be listening to if you're feeling a little bit vulnerable or if you have young children around. It's just free-flowing conversation. It goes where it goes. So today, my guest is someone who, how could I say, have you ever met the perfect person at the perfect time who just completely changed your life? Angela Gallo is that person for me. She is a collector of animals, a collector of tattoos, a snorty laugher, <laughs> sorry Ange, a generous gesticulator and you know when she walks into the room you kind of have to double check that the Rocky theme song isn't playing in the background. She's an enigma. She is now I suppose identifying as an identity death doula a curator of postpartum experiences with purpose. She teaches doulas how to excavate their soul, like in a way that they can really consciously show up for their clients and for themselves. She is an amazing businesswoman. And I think something that is really special to listen to when she speaks, apart from the fact that she is so passionate and so knowledgeable, I have never met someone more eager for knowledge. Uh, It's just amazing to listen to her speak. But also what she does really well is she interweaves what she does, her sole purpose, her passion, into conversation seamlessly. You'll see at the point where, like, there's no need to say to her, like, what do you want to plug? Because it just is part of her you know, second language. And I think for a lot of us, wellness worker types, birth worker types, we're still not very good at selling ourselves of saying, hey, this is what I do and this is what I want you to pay me money for. And I deserve to be paid money for this because it is a service. This thing that women are taught to do where we get into nurturing professions and we're expected to earn no money for that and just give and give and give and give and give and take nothing in return because, hey, you don't want someone to think you're a bitch for asking for money or you shouldn't like put money on services that are so emotionally meaningful for people or whatever it is you're telling yourself. If you have issues with that and you know you do, And about thinking about your worth and how do you actually do birth work with a passion for a long time and not completely and utterly just burn out to a tiny little puff of smoke. Angela is someone to watch. She has gone and done the deep excavation work. She continues to do it. She's really, really upfront with it. And I think there is so, so, so much to learn from not only her passion about doula work and how to have a sustainable career, but about being real with what is this actually going to take. So in this episode, we're talking about, I guess, this idea that, you know, self-care is not, it's something I say so often, but it's true. Self-care is not just green smoothies and taking bubble baths and doing some nice mindfulness on the beach. That stuff is great, but actually the really deep, important self-care is really uncomfortable. It is soul-wrenchingly painful, but you got to do it. Absolutely, you've got to do it. This is what trauma is here to teach us. And when you get through it, and you will get through it, you're going to be stronger. You're going to be bolder. You're going to be braver and a much more beautiful, impassioned version of yourself, right? So we, we talk about this idea of 
what you don't know, you don't know, right? And what happens when the unknown is suddenly presented to you and how you can run and fight it or you can face it. So we talk about Angie's experience of being my doula and how we have both grown from that traumatic birth of my second daughter, Lily, into much better versions of ourselves and how really this podcast wouldn't be here. We wouldn't even be having these conversations if it wasn't for Ange. So, you know, we talk in pictures a lot. <laughs> so there's a lot of um, metaphor. And I guess one that came up was this idea of proper self-care is actually like taking a bath in diarrhea, really, because it's that uncomfortable and it's that unpleasant. And that's a graphic image, I know, but it needs to be graphic because really doing the work that you need to do to get strong as a birth worker it is seriously uncomfortable. But if you can kind of wade through it, like slumdog millionaire style, you are going to be so, so strong, right? So bear with us while we go into the depths of birth, death, rebirth, doula work. It's amazing stuff. You're going to get so much out of it. This is potentially going to change your day, change your life. Hello, my beautiful. How are you? I am fantastic. I had a huge busy morning. Uh, I'm taking my daughter to see one of my teenage favorite bands this evening. Uh, So I'm in an especially good mood, nostalgic, oozing. The sun is out. I'm happy. And I'm very excited to be chatting about all of the things, (laughs) the depth of what you've invited me to speak about today. So I'm pumped. It is like, this is just, I don't know. It's like a... um... What was I going to say? Like a nice, warm, cozy blanket talking <laughs> to you, really. Like <laughs> this. What a compliment. I'll take that. Yeah. A nice, warm, fuzzy blanket. It's um, a hot pink one, of course. Oh, uh, would you expect <laughs> anything less? And also lined with full pink fur. Let's just make that very clear to your listeners. <laughs> oh, how slippery and, well, I don't know how it would get slippery. <laughs> I think you took pink blanket and turned it into major and minor labia and I was going more with like soft. Oh yeah, I'm thinking like (laughs) folds and. And this podcast on the depth of the emotional journey as a birth worker is going to be preluded by sexual connotations. Welcome everybody. (laughs) This is what we do. This is what we do, right? It's real life, for real though. So let's talk. Let's talk for mm, all the slipperiness people, aside. All the slipperiness aside, for people who, I mean, people are going to be aware of the the history that we have, I mm, suppose. Mm-hmm. But what I wanted to talk to you specifically about, I suppose, was this mm-hmm. idea of you don't know what you don't know, mm-hmm. and then what you don't know reveals itself to you, and then you have to do something with it. Mm-hmm. So, phrased <laughs> another way, that is like, Angela Gallo, what do you think you thought you knew about birth trauma before <laughs> before meeting me? <laughs> mm. Oh, girl, do you have a cup of tea, a margarita? What do you have? Let's go. So, I truly believe, and I've said this a multitude of times, that the funnest part about being human and alive is the learning curve. And when it comes to birth work or work in the motherhood sphere or personal development, I have just made it a fucking art slash addiction because there is so much excavation that happens within this realm of work because of the heaviness of what we see that it would be just a damn tragedy if I continued operating along the same wavelength in which I did at the very beginning of my career. And at the very beginning of my career, birth trauma and the heaviness, uh, the depression, the anxiety, the statistics, the suicide, the mental health, um, you know, everything that we discussed or was discussed with me or kind of was brought into the space was just dark and really heavy and really I can understand why those who perhaps aren't as strong as me would have felt confronted and overwhelmed and got the fuck out of Dodge for lack of better words. Because if you're, you're a birth worker, you're getting into this and you're like sunshine and daisies and 
puppies and babies and you know oxytocin and then no one has the real conversations with you uh and it's either everything's gonna be fine or and you know birth trauma doesn't exist or birth trauma is really rife really terrible you're gonna be burnt out your adrenals are gonna die see you later mm. and so it's really like was funny bringing the slipperiness back into this is like the roller coaster of my relationship with birth trauma over the last few years like my relationship with the ways that I see the emotionally heavy aspects of this work uh, because it was very much up and down and that up and down was in direct relation to my sustainability uh, to my self-care practices to the people I surrounded myself with to the reading I was doing the podcast I was listening to to the you know nerdy stuff that I was doing in terms of research on brain activity and um, you know stuff like groupthink and all of these things that I was getting super 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 deep into but really going back and forth because you know I'd get really enthralled in perhaps the science behind something or the psychology behind something and then walk into a birth space and be reminded about how destroyed and sick our system actually is and then kind of hit the you know come down to my knees and just be like well that's it I'm done and so this mm. kind of went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until with the experience and with the evolution and the growth which you need right you need this contrast process you need to be able to live this and breathe this and understand this and take the time to unpack it in order to get to the place I am now, which is where I currently sit in terms of my relationship with birth trauma, trauma, um, et cetera. And that is how I've used it as a catalyst and, and, a, and a tool and a vessel to grow a certain resilience and strength that would otherwise have been impossible to acquire. And now I look at birth trauma as this fantastic gift. And it's not that the gift is the trauma, at the sake, you know, and at the cost of the person living it, absolutely not. And I need to make that very clear. What I'm saying is that the ways that I have reframed it in my mind has meant that with the 50, 60, 70 duels I've come across in the last few years in Melbourne, there's a reason that I'm, you know, only one of five who are still practicing sustainably and at a profit, because I've been able to really lean into those feelings and say like, okay, yep, cool, that's scary, but I'm going to let that feeling feel, exist, be within me move within me. Yep, that was really overwhelming. Yeah, that was really frustrating. Yes, I saw this. Yep. How can I change this? Can I change it? Can I not change it? Okay, coming to peace with that, taking proactive measures when I can, and then really placing so much of my personal development on loving myself and growing and becoming more of the the ocean, right? So that strength and the, maj the majesticness and the intensity versus the ship on the ocean weathering a storm I didn't want to be the ship and I knew that I could never survive and thrive in this line of work my purpose my calling if I allowed myself to be the ship you cannot mm. move through the oceans of birth work of the bodies of women and people of of motherhood of parenthood you cannot move through these waters if your sails are tattered if you know you cannot it just it absolutely does not make sense figuratively metaphorically literally you cannot do it because I really had to make some massive changes within myself to realize that I can't be there for everyone I cannot fix everything I cannot bear the responsibility of curing the world of birth trauma or postpartum depression or any other thing that I'm fiercely passionate about but what I can do is be the alchemist of my reaction and my feelings. And if I can be the alchemist and the wizard of what it is happens as a fact, the ways I react to it, and then the feeling that follows, I can actually harness immense amounts of transformation and power, just like any other full on situation in my life. And so mm. I'd like to say that along with my own births and the births of my children, the rebirth of myself, the births that I've seen over the years, the rebirths of the parents I've been a part of in the last few years, uh, you know, the deaths, the births in all aspects of life, there can absolutely be no growth without test. There can absolutely be no glory without guts. And so the way I look at things now is that, yes, my activism and my advocacy is on fucking steroids right now because I am very passionate about improving birth outcomes and experiences and, and mediating the, the sickness of the birth culture in Australia and around the world, no doubt. However, I would like to see a change in conversation, change in narrative, so that birth workers are moving out of that 
self-perpetuated, often self-perpetuated, self-initiated sickness that is adrenal fatigue, burnout, etc., by believing that birth trauma is actually the reason, which therefore perpetuates the victimization of their work, instead of stepping out of it and saying, you know what, life's going to be really damn hard today, and something bad will most likely happen, but something good will also most likely happen. And how can I make this bad thing bestow me with a lesson and a gift? So moving past that like heaviness of the conversation in our line of work to the lightness and allowing this really symbiotic, harmonious dance between the light and the shadows so that I can actually use the trauma I see and I'm a part of to become stronger for the people I serve and to then model a type of strength I would like them to emulate. Mm. And thank God, right, because I remember a time, and you will remember a time, where I was supposed to be your last birth. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> last birth. <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs> oh, I'm a sucker. <laughs> so, like, it's so funny, though. Like, I think the, um, I don't know, just the best laid plans right and I think this is part of the when you're talking about you know the ocean and the boat and all that kind of stuff it is like birth is like planning for a trip and you can have you know all the plans all the navigation you can have like a fucking amazing yacht and you can have mm-hmm. a great navigator mm-hmm. but then there's the sea and mm-hmm. what the sea does and I guess that's kind of the thing I look back on and you know Lily's birth that you were at that we're like okay yep things still just went Mm-hmm. The way that the ocean wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But had it not been for that, we would not be, we wouldn't be having this conversation and I wouldn't be doing this work. And I think that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, it's, it's not what we planned. This is like when I hired you, I remember thinking, oh, yeah, like I'll get some nice photos of my birth. I'll get some good support, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I didn't think, yeah, right, 12 months later, I'm going to be like the birth trauma queen and I'm going to be love that so much. I love that like, so but this is true if it were not for you I wouldn't have had like the resilience from that experience that I had thank you and then if it weren't for you and your ability to and this is hard to interrupt you you know especially the people that I'm attracted to because I'm a a vain asshole (laughs) who um really appreciates intellectual individuals who are independent and who look at things in a way that is like, yep, this is the depth of the human experience. It is not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. How can we still enjoy the shit out of this? And I love that. And I love as well that, and we we would have chatted about this before the the podcast is that previous birth experiences that I've had, I've really only ever had two that have really like floored me in terms of a way where I felt like I would nearly faint truly because of that empathetic. uh, I was explaining this. How could I explain this to, to everyone listening? The empathetic slash sensory experience for me as a doula is that energetically I pull a lot of what that person is feeling into my body and mm-hmm. so I made major realizations in your birth how it what it had nothing to do with uh, shoulder dystocia or blood or poo or n- none of those things affected me and, and to be honest if I thought you were in danger I would have most likely you know reacted in a more I guess emergent relevant way it wasn't that it was the fact that I was feeling the physical feeling of the intensity the sharpness the the fuck this is happening in my body and Mm. I made major realizations within myself that you know I I absolutely am an energetic feeler healer and that there is gifts for me in that and if I can push past and learn to control and almost kind of mitigate that intensity, well, I can actually do some really powerful things when the ocean decides that it's going to take a turn. And, you know, how am I going to help that boat stay sturdy? How can I get the bow, you know, the bow that and like, there's there's certain things that I've learned in that process that I wouldn't have learned if I, you know, wouldn't have worked with you, lived that experience, had the conversations, did the work within my brain. And don't you think it's just so romantic, this serendipity and the synchronicity of just, everything how if you really take a step back and you look at every little thing and every little domino in every little way that the world puts you in the exact place at the exact right time you just mm-hmm. na- like nailed it when you said that you wouldn't be doing this work if you wouldn't have lived those things and seen those things 
And now look where you are. It's just, mm. it's comical. Like it's comical, but very romantic. And I like that you use that word romantic because it, it can be. Like this is the thing. Would And I've said this so many times to people before. Would I consciously sit and choose to have like two fairly traumatic, you know, not the most, I, that's not the best I wanted in my mind. I wanted mm-hmm. like the, you know, there's lotus flowers of course, and water of and it's all very beautiful and that's what we all want. But that's obviously mm-hmm. not, you know, that's not how it went. But it's not about saying, as you were alluding to before, that I had to have that experience in order to grow. Like it would have been mm-hmm. something else and this is life. Had it not been this, it would have been something else and will continue mm-hmm. to be other things in our lives that we're like, oh, yeah, I don't really want to deal with that. I don't really mm-hmm. want to think about that. But this is the thing about trauma. Like it mm-hmm. creates such strength and beauty and beautiful connection. Do you know why as well the ne- the whole like kind of diatribe around resilience actually is that when we look at trauma much of the conversation is like oh well if you feel strong after traumatic experience it's most likely because you've compartmentalized and put up a wall in order to cope and Mm. I'm like no 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 that's not at all what happened (laughs) for me in all of my career I've been in you know much heavier situations we all do right like you said if it's not this it's something else it's actually realizing that there's a lesson and gift in everything and although in the moment you know, if we're talking about instances where there's clear, you know, lines are being blurred and and the abuse and assault, and I'm that's not this, that becomes a political, uh, legal. That's not okay. I'm saying that at the end of the day, life is a roller coaster, and the ways we react to how those roller coasters manifest themselves in some of the most physical and emotional and spiritual taxing and challenging moments of our life. That's that's the point of difference here. If you walk away from a birth experience and you convince yourself to the day you die that you were victimized and let down, the only thing you're going to do is attract sadness and happiness into your life, into your cells, into your being, and therefore seep into your child's life, et cetera, et cetera. So as a birth worker, it's super important that if you do not build resilience, growing skills, if you do not learn how to grow post-traumatically, you are then hoarding all of these intense unpacked emotions that will only fester, turn you into a toxic birth worker, and then you'll become complicit in a system that's sick like this because of everything we're talking about in the first place. So Mm -hmm. you tap into the lesson and the gift, you move the feeling, you alchemize and you turn it into strength. You bring that strength to the people you work with, to your peers, to your children. That's where the magic happens. And it's simply impossible to harvest that without the contrast, without the pain, without the grief, without the disappointment. If there was only sweet all the time, how the hell could you appreciate what sweet is? It is not possible. If birth was perfectly sound and perfectly okay and everything was fine, people would not even understand the notion of what it means to fight for your body and fight for your autonomy and fight for your child and fight for your rights, correct? There Mm. needs to be some level of depth and sadness and all the things in order to just like kick us up the ass and say like, are you awake? Because now's your chance. You have, there's purpose, there's mission, there's something that's, you know, moving you with this. And that's how I feel about it anyways. I think that's part of the passion though. Like you can, you know, plan, I I don't know. I think, well, this is a question maybe you can answer. Do you think there are doulas, midwives who plan going into this birth work as if it is going to be all positive, all (laughs) flowers all the time? I didn't mean to laugh out loud. Yeah, of course. Mm. This is the illusion of that they sell. They will sell you this when you're going into midwifery when you're going into doula work they sell you this illusion that you know either this is a hobby and you're not going to get paid and it's really hard so don't expect to do it in the long run so right you're just setting people up for this precedence like oh we're not going to tell you it's really hard but instead what we're going to tell you is you'll most likely not make any money right instead of honestly saying like if you love this and it lights you up let me teach you how to operate strategically and sustainably so that you can fulfill your own life while fulfilling the lives of others no conversations about any of that kind of stuff and then you move into midwifery which the educational system is a money-making enterprise like anything else all these you know how many ex-midwife students i work with it's perturbing they come in and they say i was led to believe that 
my midwife degree would be so fantastic and it was so romantic and so wonderful. And they, you know, and they do this really uh, calculatedly. The first semester, the second trimester, uh, semester, everything's lovely, <laughs> women-centered care. Sorry, baby brain, literally. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you go into this place where it's like they move into the next year and the year after and it's nothing, nothing like it was. And then by the time they move into placement, they're, they're beyond the point of disheartened. They're mm -hmm. like, holy moly, I was not expecting this whatsoever. So it's part of it is that people have no idea what they're getting themselves into, which is why with my doula training, I'm massively passionate about amalgamating personal and professional development, real-time politics, culture, et cetera, with the realities of what it means to be a woman or someone identifying as a woman leading a care-driven entrepreneurial endeavor in the real world and not just being like, well, everything's going to be fine, child. Come join us by the, come join us by the table in hall B. Nothing's wrong with healthcare. What are you saying? That's, that's ridiculous. I'm just so sad because A, it's a lie, but B, everyone is defeated and sick and depressed in the process. So the direct repercussion of all of this is not, you know, that people are, are spending their money on midwifery degrees that they're never going to use. Cause yeah, sure. That sucks. It's that if we, the doulas and the midwives, aren't prepared to become the ocean and weather the storm, like I said before, how in the world can we possibly advocate and try and activate change for women and birthing people who are stuck in a shit storm right now? Mm. If and we can't deal, you go. Sorry, no, just kidding. if we if we can't deal with the if we can't deal with the ocean, become the ocean, water. How could we possibly expect these people to deal with shit? Like, it just doesn't, it, there's, there's a real, like, eh, and I think it's the expectation, it's the reality, it's the mix of when everything comes together, it's the hailstorm of the moral qualm versus reality, it's the, uh, the sickness that is the human sickness, the human condition, which is avoid feeling at all costs, and then complain when you've become a shell of a human being, but don't want to do the work to feel the things. It's all these things, layers and layers and layers and layers. I'm 33 years old and I'm only, only truly have started doing the work about three years ago to really lean into the intensity of my emotional field and emotional landscape within myself, journey that effectively so that I can come out in five, 10, 15 years and really ex lead, lead by example and show people like you want growth, stop paying Tony Robbins or Deepak Chopra or whoever else you want to pay like, hello. Feel the feelings. Don't run from the scary stuff. Don't avoid unpacking your bias and your trigger. Don't avoid the hard stuff. That's where the gold is. Mm, I think that's the thing when you're going back to the shit and the storm and all this. I'm picturing kind of like slumdog millionaire style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wading through stuff. And I wonder if part of that is because sometimes people get into birth work because they've had a history they've had a narrative of being really rewarded for being mm -hmm. nurturing and they think oh I'm good at nurturing other people I'm good at caring for other people and then confuse yeah. that with caring for themselves mm. and think oh yeah like I can see potentially like with something like doula work where there isn't, I mean, other than you, there isn't a lot of people jumping up and down and going, hey, trauma-informed care, trauma-informed practice is a good thing to think about. Mm -hmm. Self, we Bang on about self-care. Like, yep, that's all well and good. But proper self-care, as you know, or as you know, is actually diving straight into the big pool of diarrhea. Mm -hmm. It's not doing mm -hmm. bubble baths and drinking your green smoothies. It's actually really fucking I uncomfortable. Love I love that so much. I love that metaphor and visual so much it's like taking the bath in diarrhea you know what do you know <laughs> do you know how you earn your stripes do you know what the rite of passage is to be able to navigate the shit storm it's literally bubble bath in shit i love that so much i'm stealing it and i'm using it forever because <laughs> it is it's like you know what you stew in a shoe that's covered in dog shit in the sun and then come talk to me about how that experience was for you Let's unpack it, then let's move on to the next thing. Because you do, you're right, you get into something because it's like, oh, it's your maternal instinct. You're drawn to doing this line of work. It's so lovely. It's so caring. It's so, you know, no, this is not, that's not how it works. And that's not enough. We're talking about, much like what you say, solid self-care practices, solid strategy, 
not self-sabotage disguised as self-care, not the green smoothies and the bubble baths, not the believing that you're doing all the things and you're still confused. As, no, we need to just hack into this at the bottom level here. And it's going to, you know, transform the way we operate at trauma informed businesses, care and etc. Because can you believe it's 2019? And we've only started having these discussions probably three or four years ago. Isn't that not bombastic to you? Mm. It's it's something that um, I come back to all the time. It just it's part of the reason why I do what I do. It's because I was really really ignorant. I assumed an awful lot about people who work in the broader field of birth that I mm. assumed obstetricians had to do trauma informed practice as yeah, part of their study. Not. I assumed midwives had to like there'd be mm-hmm. a unit, there'd be a couple of weeks, maybe something. There's nothing, and so when I did some digging, I went shit. There's really nothing. And so with that to the support staff, how is any birthing person supposed to feel supported if it's not all? Exactly. 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 And it's funny. It's not even, it's not even that um, assumption. It's not even naive. It's that every, the world you're like, you're practicing logic and you think, okay, well, obviously if these people are navigating these types of scenarios, they might, they must be given some level (laughs) of support or education and then you crack into it and you realize like, oh, that's why everything's gone to shit. Because literally, there's just zero conversation, zero mm-hmm. education. And because, you know, you, you've got to understand is that if this conversation was explored in, in, a, in a public way, that would mean that the individuals responsible for that trauma and the, the organizations, bodies, corporations, institutions responsible or at least complicit in that trauma would have to take responsibility. This is why I believe there's been no education and no exploration of the matter. And now we're moving into a place where there's a lot of very intelligent ind- individuals. And I had the pleasure of having one at my doula training recently, who, you know, is just one of the most trauma-informed individuals I've ever met, who is just completely proficient and, and so articulate in terms of the ways we can show up and help these people and create space for them to move the feelings. And just listening to her speak about the somatic practices around, you know, that birth workers could be implementing or the self-care strategies, like bringing it to another level. And the work that I've done recently in terms of like the sensor experience, uh, panic practices, overwhelm practices, like this is not rocket science. This should have been something that, you know, would have been implemented ages ago. And it's not. I think it's just a really, really sad state of affairs. But, a, you know, a wonderful thing that at least you and I are here right now. And we've lived whatever it is we need to live and got to whatever we you know, need to get in order to help those midwives who have been in this career for 30, 40, 50 years and are burnt out. They're mm-hmm. a shell of themselves. And the obstetricians that have zero support, zero place to have these discussions, and the midwife students and all of the individuals caught up in this system right now who are just, you know, literally like a, a, a what's that, what's that movie with Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton? Tornado or whatever i'm imagining a tornado right now with the cows going round in the car park that's what from oceans to shit storms to tornadoes there's a tagline (laughs) learn to turn the mess into magic so (laughs) yes that's that's um it's equal parts sad as as it is exciting because it's cool that we get to play some part in changing the conversation around trauma for our children so that at least that when they grow older they do have real time strategies, methodologies, techniques, support that they can tap into more than just a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a helpline or we need more. We need to do better. And if birth workers want to continue to create impact in the long term, we need to start from the bottom up, which means that birth workers need to get the hell back in their body, look at their demons square in the face, dance in the light of their shadows and make sense of who it is they are before trying to attempt anything else because they then run the risk of doing more harm than good. Mm. So this dancing with the devil in the pale moonlight stuff, what's the most uncomfortable of the self-care that you've done? You can give us the Reader's Digest version if you like, but I guess <laughs> I'm wondering if people are sitting here thinking, oh, shit, what's this going to I mean, it can look like so many things, and I guess part of this mm. podcast is, sharing some of the things that it could be but in terms of Mm. that really good you know the thing that you go that felt like awful like my body had a big reaction to that there was 
excretions, there was tears, there was all that sort of stuff. But afterwards you're like, yep, I'm stronger now. I needed to do Mm -hmm. that. What's some of the uncomfortable shit you've done? You want a Reader's Digest version, babe? That's not going to happen. Now, if I'm, you just, want a I'm just protecting sermon. your. <laughs> I'm protecting your egos. If your ego needed some protection, it's not, not not so much ego, but as much as like, do I feel like crying right now on this podcast? Okay, so I would like to say that I am one of those people who has become so good at avoiding feelings, like, and I mean, so good at it that I lived five years uh, wanting to believe I felt things because I was unhappy. And so therefore, oh, I must be feeling things because I'm unhappy to my body, actually my body and the energy of my body and my thoughts and my mind knowing like, okay, something's got to give. You're on the precipice of some big growth and you're not listening. So we're just going to throw you out onto the deep end, but we're going to use some reverse psychology on you. So you're actually going to attract all this shit into your life and you'll have absolutely no choice now to listen and pay attention. So all of a sudden, I, all this weird stuff started happening to me. Like I got, I got really sick in a few times, like three different instances where I'm not a person that gets sick often. And so that was a direct manifestation of me being unhappy, not moving feelings. And I started getting unwell. And then all of a sudden, these like really weird, serious things started happening in my life, like massive massive breaks and heartache and betrayal like intense stuff that I wouldn't have felt for 15 years right that I would have just been like what the hell is going on I was literally attracting it into my life subconsciously so that I could push myself off the cliff and just you know do the damn work instead of avoiding what I found perplexing fascinating and all of the cool through all of this was I hired a a leadership coach she doesn't call herself a life coach I hired a leadership coach coach through this process and she really helped me to decipher and enjoy all of these weird breaks and shifts and breakdowns and meltdowns so that I could really, okay, what am I feeling right now? How am I feeling this? What's the learning curve? You know, what can I take away from it? I thought that I was clever enough to do this work on my own and I wasn't. (laughs) So having somebody... Right. Mm. So this is the thing. It's like, I really, truly, this is what happens. Intelligent women get in their own head. They're worse than anybody else. I'm and I tell it to my that's, that's me as well. That's like me. I'm it's, like, I look it, after people. I nurture people. I know how to do this for myself. It's such bullshit. And now oh. I'm totally happy to, I'm totally happy to, you know, I've dismantled all, I've dismantled every debilitating, self-limiting relationship I have with myself in this year. It's been amazing. Just incredible. One orgasm, one big belly laugh, one heartachingly, devastatingly cry at a time. Because I've realized that like, A, I can do this on my own. B, I don't know everything. And that's fine. Like, hello, who cares? And C, being around people who can actually create the space for you, a <coughs> cough doula, into the next threshold of your life is a non-negotiable. So all of a sudden, I was feeling all these things. And my self-care strategy, the long-winded answer for you right now, was actually creating a safe space for myself to have the breakdown to facilitate the breakthrough. And now, do you know what I do with my clients? I literally, in my, in my postpartum with a purpose uh, packages, uh, it's called the break, breakaway for the breakdown to have the breakthrough. And I pull them away for three days and we go somewhere and they leave their family behind and they just have their baby. And I give them a safe space to lose their mi- mind in the most unadulterated way possible and give them just a container where they can feel the feelings and not go run away or hide or avoid or say everything's okay. And that, you know, may not look like conventional self-care to anyone else. But for me, having a safe space and giving a safe space to people where they can actually become the phoenix out of that pile of rubble and ash and shit is the best thing that I can give them. And it's the best thing I gave myself instead Mm -hmm. of giving myself a bath and calling it medicine. Mm. That is a gift. That's a real gift, I reckon. Because Mm -hmm. in any birth, like I hate, dichotomies as you know this is why I could not mm-hmm. be a lawyer because I can't do categories everything yeah. is dimensional so even though we are I'm kind of doing it like oh yes you know some births are amazing and there's lotus flowers and everything's beautiful every single birth has parts of it that are potentially unexpected or mm. negative or neutral like I think that's another thing like birth can sometimes yeah. be neutral and like oh I didn't really feel anything and that's not about it being good or bad it just 
is. And sometimes, you know, these things, as you know, don't come up until later, like when all the guests are gone and all the six-week flowers have dried up and there's no more food in the fridge. It's a bit like when somebody dies, which is why I love that you started talking um, about this idea of, like, identity death because I think it's so similar like after people die there's casseroles there's flowers and then somewhere around that kind of six eight week mark it's different for everybody shit that's when the real shit comes up because you're you're left alone you're left alone for the first time potentially you're left alone and you know what else you know what else the other thing with identity death is that when we look at the layers of emotion right and the parts we, you know, we have a physical body, we have a mind, we have a soul, we have a heart, we have this like, you know, if you looked at a person, all you see is their skin, right? That's it. You you have no idea what's going on in their brain and the rest of them, right? We're like so complex where I call it uh, the kaleidoscope, right? The fuckery of the kaleidoscope of everything we are, so messy, so magical, so amazing. But within that kaleidoscope of color and beauty is a real ability to get lost in the noise, get lost in the the shine, get lost in the color, get lost in our heads. And when you are put in a situation where you are raw and vulnerable and broken down, your hard exterior comes down, your walls come down, your everything, your facade, your perfectly poisedness, your I'm a mess, but holding everything together, there's literally no more space to be anything but exactly who it is you are. And in that moment, that kaleidoscope that's like rigid and structured and so tactical turns into the, you know, wet water slicked with oil, but vibrant of a thousand colors on the hot asphalt. It's like you have no choice but to lose it, melt and still be beautiful. But you have to look at those things. So it's like you're alone. You're just, you have no choice. You've got to do the work. And that's why I think that identity death is, is, you know, when I die, I don't want it to be a process of mourning. I want people to dance and laugh in honor of me. And I think this is the thing, right? It's like looking at trauma, looking at all of the sadness that we experience as humans and turning it into, okay, how can I die and dance? How can I watch the things around me change and decay and literally die and turn this into an opportunity where I grow and I create that resilience because I'm not broken. I'm still beautiful. This is an opportunity for me to turn into something better. It's just such profound work. Like mm-hmm. there's this so, so, so profound as the individual living it. And then as the birth worker or the professional supporting it. Do you have a kaleidoscope tattoo? No, I don't. I'm just imagining all your tattoos and I'm thinking a kaleidoscope. That would kind of... <laughs> I just love it in terms of a visual. I really, really, really love it. Mosaics and kaleidoscopes. And I think the world, you know, in, in our in our desperate bid to avoid feeling, we also sever. I speak a lot. You'll, you'll hear me in the social media workshop talk about this. We're so afraid of being the fullest part of us. And we're so afraid of feeling that we sever each part of ourselves or tuck each part of ourselves away you know, and take one out when we feel like it and take the or put the other one on plane. It's like, no, there's no room for that. If we want to evolve as humans, and if we want some of the most, you know, taxing industries of, in the world and healers and all to survive, we need to be able to tap into that. And I think that that kaleidoscope um, serves a great visual. Mm, I'm all about the visuals. I think we both Me like, too. we're talking pictures. <laughs> Sometimes oh, the metaphors and the... So right, and when you wrote me the card with the poppy in the field, that's that's what speaks to me. Anything mm-hmm. that's like poetry, emotion, and visuals and metaphors and things I can words I can taste. It's just for me that, and and this is just a beautiful segue to just say that when, you know, when I watched you in that process, I felt like I was watching a mother deer give birth in a sea of adrenaline and fear, but power. And I imagined you being this beautiful deer in a field surrounded by people that you were not sure were your friends or your foes or wanted to eat you or wanted to fight you. And you couldn't get up necessarily onto your legs and run and you couldn't necessarily fight. And you were just trying to make sense of how you were gonna stay present in that moment and do what you had to do and take care of your child and stay strong. 
And I just felt like that's what I was watching. Just something just unfolding kind of in a forest scene. And it's, it's not many people you can have that conversation with in terms of how you can see things in, in pictures and, and words. And in, you know what I mean? Like mm. the, the, the scenery to it. It helps me to understand and feel things versus looking at something so black and white. Plus, you know, the hospital setting is pretty ugly. <laughs> like, mm, yeah. Time, make it pretty. I mean, yeah, I think, um, I, can't, I don't think I've spoken about it on this podcast before, but um, yeah, part of my birth prep was like Pinterest boards, like full mm. of, like, and a lot of that was like animal imagery. So it's interesting actually mm. that you bring that up because that wasn't one of the, again, wasn't one of the ones on my list. Mm. But it's, you know, it's that thing about, um, I suppose, letting the veil go and whatever you need will reveal itself to mm-hmm. you in mm-hmm. the perfect moment. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so I think it's so exciting as well, by the way, that when we originally spoke about this, you were really fighting the idea of, of leaning into this work. You were. Oh, and 100%. It's, it's, you know, it's really cool to see you too move into this sphere where you're recognizing that you have something important to say and um yeah it's a it's a real pleasure to watch you do that I think it's uh it goes back to what we were just talking about before with me saying you know how there are some birth workers who go into birth thinking like they want to do like the nice stuff and babies are wonderful and I think like part of me has done that as well I remember saying to you like oh I like the self-care stuff but you know this trauma like it's heavy <laughs> and I don't want to do this and I'm just like yep I just it's the same thing that I'm constantly telling people other people that you can't do there is no like fuzzy puppy unicorn like therapy that's it's not how it's going to work no and I think the more things I've just knocked back and knocked back and knocked back this is the stuff that just keeps coming at me you know there's that (laughs) okay there's an ability so there's a responsibility yeah I love it (laughs) I love it I'm gonna totally go and use that right after this so good I think I stole that off someone else too so I don't think that's one of mine God, I'm getting online and talking about that after. That is so good. So good. But this is what it is. There is an ability. There is a responsibility. Yeah, it's sensational. Mm, I think it's absolutely sensational. Where did I go? I think that's actually from a guy called Evan Carmichael, his mum. <laughs> he um he's on a he has a podcast of someone else that I know and anyway that's well we would have spoken heaps about just the things it's like for for me the language that I use in the program is that if you want to listen to the call of your passion and you you know you're like I'm going to do this it really lights me up you have to be equally aware that with that pioneering comes a deep responsibility to be the boldest bravest expression of you right and to do the hardest work you've ever done Mm. and if you want to be able to you know make sense feel those gifts live those gifts be those gifts there is responsibility. Um, I love that. I just love as well the rhyming because I'm a sucker for that. But, you know. <laughs> it's just it's just where it's needed to go, I think. Because um, you know, mm. yeah, resisting it, resisting it, resisting it. I'm like, oh, I just can't keep resisting this anymore. It just keeps, it just keeps coming up. And I think it's that other thing of like, well, hey, if not me, then who else is going to do it? Mm. And are they going to do it in the way that I would do it? Which is not to say that you know it's. A competition or anything but I think we've talked about this before the thing that I have really struggled with and I'm only just starting to kind of just get my teeth into a little bit now is that we can talk about this and it doesn't have to be oh god this is so dark and so dreary mm. and yeah, so exactly. gray oh, it could be it we, could be light it does and this is what you were struggling with you were like well I don't know like da 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 is that something that's going to be too heavy and like, you know, it'll be hard to sell and all of the things. And then you realize that like, okay, hold on. What if the fun in this is actually making this light enough for people to take on board because that's where the real change comes from. And this is why when you said like, okay, so let's, instead of saying this is birth trauma information, looking at it as the post-traumatic growth, I was like, fuck yes, that's exactly what it needs to sound like. Like exactly what it needs to sound like, and this is always there's a it's always been there. It's always been there. It's always been the big part of what I do is that mm. I'm not interested in like sitting and having a pity party, mm-hmm. limited mm-hmm. limited pity party. But then you know, mm-hmm. like it gets to nine o'clock and 
it's night time and I want to go to bed. So limited pity mm-hmm. party. Mm-hmm. There has yeah. to be something more. There has to be something stronger and more beautiful and more resilient. And there is. It's just I don't know why nobody else is like really talking about that. It's, part. I know it's funny too because we look at movies and things where they're cinematically there's such stunning storylines in theater and music videos where like the person you know the protagonist goes through something absolutely awful and they come out of the better version of themselves and the underdog and blah 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 but in real life it's like we can't reconcile all that and I you know perhaps it is and because of the again like the all of it the clash of sexuality and the clash of of motherhood and the clash of birth workers and the clash of women in business and the clash of bodily autonomy and rights and all of this stuff that is it is it makes the perfect storm maybe that's why the conversation hasn't moved forward I think also people struggle with the idea that we can acknowledge and respect what has Mm. happened and where someone is at and it's not Mm -hmm. about like going oh well it's time to move on and just like be positive I think sometimes Mm -hmm. people confuse it with you're trying to hurry up a process that's not, you know, ready to happen when part of it is that there's no readiness. There is no readiness for this. Were you ever, Mm. did you ever wake up one day and go, I'm ready to deal with my shit now? That's what I love so much is that I have been working on myself for years and I love it. It's part of my thing. I'm an Aquarius. Like you cannot, I'm literally the most, basically I'd like to say in 2010 is where my growth thing starts. And that, that'll be nine years ago. And so I didn't even know what was waiting for me. I thought I knew what self-care and growth looked like. And I did it <laughs> because mm-hmm. you're thrust in a situation like, oh, I'm living the exact thing that I needed to live in order to make the realization that I was supposed to make. And you have to trust that process as well. Like, you know what? To be honest, if birth work was all sunshine and daisies, I probably wouldn't even stick around. I really wouldn't. So on the days where I think like, oh, well, if everything was easy, it might be easier. Or if everything was perfect, I don't, I probably indulged that thought for all of 13 seconds. And mm. then I realized, no, I'm a complex individual who likes complex scenarios because that's where I get to romanticize the complicatingness of life. That's where I help people turn this into that. That's how I help them turn struggle into strength. If everything was sunshine and daisies, this work wouldn't speak to me. And so it's a really beautiful balance, a really beautiful dance for me, and a roller coaster that is thrilling and and dangerous and all of the things. But I, I'll get back on over and over and over again because I always come off feeling like, wow, you are capable of anything if you got this shit sorted. Mm. So for the person who's at the stage where they're like, oh, I'm still pretty like terrified of this stuff or I've watched some traumatic births and I really just don't know where to go, what to do. Or for Mm. the hardened, jaded person who's like, oh, yep, all right, (laughs) just throw Mm. some more at me. What do you think is like a small step that someone could take? What's a small step maybe that helped you? I, part of my religious self-care strategy are hiatuses, uh, a lot of time off and not working all year long. So I always take on average like four, four to six months off from being on call per year. There, for those of you who are listening and are working in the on-call field, what you need to understand is that in terms of the body, our nervous system, our adrenals, our immunity... If you are on call 24 hours a day and often not sleeping well uh, because of this, you are just running on adrenals and cortisol and catecholamines and all the things that will exhaust you and deplete you even when you feel like you're okay. Because it's the process of constantly living on the edge of your seat. Mm -hmm. So even when you think I'm relaxing, you're not because you're waiting for the call or you're waiting for the person. Or if you're a highly sensitive person like me, you're feeling what they're feeling and you're thinking and it's just not possible to go into full on rest and self-care mode in that state of mind. So after dealing with all of the things, I made the decision that I had to take four to six months off a year from being on call. And um, that's why growing, scaling my business, growing other parts of it, 
making sure that I had active and passive streams of income, making sure that I wasn't relying strictly on doing something all the time for the wrong reasons, that I was factoring in all of these approaches so that I could do this work the right way in the long term. And beyond that, if you are a birth worker who, it's not, it's not even if you are, I can tell you that every birth worker I know has lived some sort of traumatic scenario, especially for the student midwives and midwives working in hospital. A lot of the trauma comes directly from seeing the irresponsible, negligent, manipulative, coercing acts of the professionals who are supposed to be the ones they trust. And so it's a, it's a deep, a deep trauma for them. And then the trauma that they're then helping the person move through, whether it's physical, emotional, et cetera. And then if you're a doula who's helping people impact childhood trauma, relationship dynamics, domestic violence, there's so much to consider here. You need to be in the, the frame of mind that the only thing that is going to allow you to thrive in this work, not survive. I'm not interested in birth workers who survive because that doesn't mean anything. If you're interested in thriving in the long term, you need to seriously consider that this work is not going to get easier, but you definitely need to get stronger. And so calling yourself out on the ways you are lacking and calling yourself out on the ways that you are not loving yourself enough as you should is most likely where it starts. And so I use a principle called flexing your fuck no muscle, which is making sure that you're putting yourself in situations where you feel safe emotionally and physically and spiritually and all of the things. And you're treating your body well and you're eating and you're exercising and you're making play and pleasure a huge priority of your life so that when bad things happen, you can move with the feeling instead of, you know, fear, tension, pain, uh, 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 and ruin yourself. Mm. That, that would be my, my biggest pieces of advice for sure. And you're always reading stuff, watching stuff. Like you consume, I remember saying to you once, like, do you ever actually <laughs> sleep or do you just kind of like <laughs> make this whirring noise and just, you know, sort of go into hiatus for a minute? You consume so much information and you share so much of it, which is so like wonderful. What's like, you know, maybe, maybe just one thing, one thing. What's it like to live in my brain? Oh, how, yes. Do you know what you know what you should be asking me? Because nobody's ever asked me this. Angela, what does it feel to live in the brain of a person who feels things very intensely and who is then thrust in scenarios where she's in a line of work where life and death and danger and elation is constantly present? Because I don't know the answer to it, so don't ask me. But that's probably the question you should be asking me. <laughs> um, what do I what what's your question? Do I read anything good? What's, what what I read? What's something you want to share that you think other people would benefit from going, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that sounds interesting. Whether it's, you know, like a book, a podcast, a movie, anything, because I'm all about sharing, you know, stuff that doesn't have to be, yeah, of course. you know, anything in particular, just something you're yeah, like, no. oh, that's a. Sure. I get, it's funny. I always, I always get asked this on, uh, on podcasts. If I were to recommend something specifically to birth workers who, are not quite yet grasping the severity, the non-negotiableness of um, marrying self-care, solid self-care practices to a sustainable business model. The first thing that I would encourage you to do is listen to something like Gala Darling's Radical Self-Love. Read her books. Um, actually, it's a book now because when it first came out, it was audio. Uh, that was really where my journey started. And where I started to understand that when it comes to personal and professional boundaries, um, how loving myself is where it all starts, what I let into my body energetically, what I put out into the world is just so linked together. And then if you're looking at some really, you know, quality reading in terms of doulas, specifically midwives and uh, the necessity of, you know, understanding what this work is about. Recently, I had the pleasure of listening to um, a uh, Emily Graham and Casey, I cannot remember her last name. They worked on the movie, These Are Our Hours. They created something called The Alchemy of Adrenaline, so Adrenaline and the Doula, that I really loved. And it gave me some really fantastic perspective into the ways adrenaline and, and obviously the ways we uh, see or perceive trauma and feel traumatized uh, directly related to the adrenaline in our bodies at the time and the adrenaline in the room at the time. So that's the thing that I'd be suggesting people look into. If they're in my program, it's included in the doula training program. But I'd be really looking into the ways we perceive trauma, 
uh, the ways we don't perceive trauma the same way our clients perceive trauma and vice versa, and how adrenaline plays a part in that. So Emily Graham, Adrenaline and the Doula is something that I'd be I'm suggesting you check out as well as Gala Darling's Radical Self Love. That's all sounding pretty good. Mm. Woody, I'm, I'm laughing as I'm asking you this because I was going to say, what do you want to plug? But I think you've done a pretty good job of interweaving things as we go because you're the, the skilled um, businesswoman that you are. But now, <laughs> now that you're on the spot, what do you want, what do you want to plug? You There's nothing else to plug really because I want to believe that my convictions and my body of work uh, is going to translate whatever it needs to translate. If anybody wants to take a look at what it is I do, if they are wanting to get a little wire sneak peek into my world, my brain, my love, my pussy powerism, AngelaGallo.com, alternatively, Instagram.com forward slash the underscore Angela underscore Gallo. Yes, there's only one Angela Gallo. I'm that pretentious. And Facebook.com <laughs> forward slash the Angela Gallo. I train doulas. I train doulas and I teach birth workers, uh, midwives, doctors, obstetricians, shamanic healers, anyone who is working in the lines of healing, caring, supporting through conception, gestation, childbirth, motherhood, menopause, all of the things. I teach these people how to create monumental bodies of work while they get paid so that we can get money into the hands of good people. Because that's how I think we're going to change the world. If anyone wants to scope that out, AngelaGallo.com. That's it. That's all I've got to plug, girl. Beautiful. Just beautiful. Thank you, darling. Is there <laughs> anything else you want to add to the visual of the pink, what was it, a pink velvet cushion, diarrhea bath, <laughs> tornado, kaleidoscope? Do you know, can I just leave you on this? I was doing a video with Julie Bell, who was my doula. We did this amazing video, and she described working with me as riding the back of a dolphin through the Milky Way. And I was like, that is just so... That's a bit nicer than the description we had. <laughs> so good. But she described it as something like, it's as crazy and beautiful as riding the back of a dolphin who talks in the Milky Way. So no, there's no other visuals for you, but that, that's it. And just a, a thank you for having me. And a thank you for sharing your space with me and your mind with me and your family with me and for playing a large part in me realizing what my gifts are and what my weaknesses are and what my shadows are and helping me dance through that with fine finesse i very much appreciate it all right so are you convinced yet are you going to jump in with us to the diarrhea bath to deal with the things that you need to deal with. Have you figured by now that to be the best version of yourself and that you deserve to be the best version of yourself, not just for clients, but for yourself, it's going to be uncomfortable. We've all got work on ourselves that we need to do because you don't know what you don't know, do you? How is that gonna reveal itself to you? It might be that you want to think about doing something like mentoring, coaching, supervision, whatever you want to call it, with me. I can help you with that. I can be the person to not hold your hand, but walk along beside you and say, hey, do you realize you're doing this? Have you thought about this from this perspective? All with the goal of helping you deal with the surface stuff, sure debriefing from traumatic births, giving you some strategies, giving you some tools, doing some problem solving, dealing with difficult situations at work, stress, all that kind of stuff. Or it might be the more deep dive excavation work because this is what I do. This is the jump in, do the uncomfortable work because you know on some level that you can't possibly show up for someone else unless you are fully present in your own body and mind and spirit and you've done the work so that you can be a container for someone else you know deep roots open heart i can help you with that you know i am a trained clinical psychologist there is therapeutic scope as well for people who are thinking yeah i think i might need to start doing some digging and i don't know where to start so if you're interested in following up with me, 
You can find me at drerin.com.au. Just follow the links and you'll find what you need. And if you're not ready, then you know you're never going to be ready. It's okay. If you're feeling a bit unsettled or you're feeling a bit unsure or you're feeling a bit of something and you can't even put words to it, take a breath. Drop your shoulders down. Let your chest muscles open up. Take some breaths. Think about where you are. Come back into the present moment. Think about what you're doing next. What are you going to do to take care of yourself for the rest of the day? I hope something that you've heard today has given you that inspiration to give you something in your knowledge base, I suppose, that you didn't know or has, yeah, inspired you to take some sort of action, no matter how small that is, to be the best version of yourself that you can be.